Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Foundation made SCPs. The general idea in the SCP universe is that anomalies are overall a threat to our existence, and they should not exist. There are some groups that believe otherwise, but groups like the SCP Foundation typically hold to that line of thinking. That being said, anomalies do exist in that universe, and since they do, sometimes it's best to fight fire with fire. I've mentioned anomalous objects or phenomena created by the Foundation before in different contexts, such as SCP-2000, which they've used to repopulate the world after disasters. Most of the SCPs we'll be talking about today are, of course, bad things, things that the Foundation ultimately shouldn't have made, but since they did, they need to be contained. Foundation-made SCPs fall into one of two categories things that the Foundation made on purpose, and things that the Foundation made on accident. Oftentimes, these categories blend together, though, with the Foundation intending to make a useful, stable anomaly, but the situation running out of control. SCP-1718 is an anomaly that appeared when the Foundation began working on a new type of containment unit. Skipping over some of the science involved with the project... It would theoretically be capable of containing physical forces approaching 50% of the mass of a white dwarf star. At less than a fifth of its maximum possible power consumption, it was theorized that it would easily be capable of containing something like SCP-076, ABEL, which has proven to be rather difficult to contain otherwise. The containment unit was constructed as a proof of concept, with nothing contained inside of it, and actually not even a way to place an SCP inside of it, with the idea that that problem would be figured out later. Over the course of a few years, the unit was constructed and fired up, although one of the head researchers involved was killed during a construction accident a couple years in. The unit primarily functioned by having a gyroscope spin through helium in a superfluid state at a rate of 150,000 rotations per minute. This was achieved after construction was finished, and in fact, the unit actually functioned better than they had theorized. In an unrelated event, though, the other head researcher got caught up in another accident and was given an amnestic to save his life which cost him five years' worth of memories. Since both of the head researchers were no longer capable of running the project, it was decided to deactivate the device after 35 days of function. The magnetic drives powering the gyroscope were reversed, but after seven hours, no slowdown of the gyro could be detected. The head researcher theorized that the Coriolis effect, related to the rotation of the Earth, had been accelerating the gyroscope for the last 35 days, and this had not been accounted for in their theories. There was some disagreement among the team on whether this was actually occurring, 
as their equipment was unable to actually detect the current speed of the gyro. If this were the case, parts of the gyro would be approaching one-tenth the speed of light. The power of the magnetic drives were increased 100 times to slow the rotation, and eventually they detected that the gyros had slowed down to 352,000 rotations per minute. As they continued to slow down the gyros, though, the superfluid of helium continued to heat up, necessitating more power in order to keep it cool. What they discovered then, and what the actual anomaly is, is an energetic force contained inside of this experimental containment unit. Based on the current power draw of the unit, they estimate that the anomaly inside is equivalent to 0.7 megatons of continuous explosive force. Not only is it enough force to equal a large nuclear weapon, and not only is it a continuous force rather than something that will explode and be done, the power draw of the unit continues to grow every day, meaning that the force is growing bigger. No one involved in the project knows why this force was created or how to get rid of it safely, and it's only growing worse. One of the head researchers and another doctor submitted a proposal to build a one-tenth scale model of the unit to research it, but this is promptly rejected, as the Foundation will just contain it and move on. Moving on to some things that the Foundation created a bit more purposefully, SCP-085 was created when a fountain pen anomaly was used to draw a sketch of a female figure, and the sketch was then fed through SCP-914 on the find setting. The process animated the sketch, creating a sapient female that exists entirely on paper. The woman, Cassandra, or Cassie, is aware of her two-dimensional existence, and can communicate with Foundation personnel through sign language, or by writing on the paper she's on. Any object drawn on the paper with her becomes animated when she interacts with it, and she can interact with them as if they were real, such as wearing drawn clothing driving sketched cars, or drinking painted beverages. She can also transfer from one paper to another if they are connected. Unfortunately, drawn animals and people do not animate like objects, and Cassie is reported to be amicable, but lonely. SCP-2669 is a deep space probe designed by the Foundation for the purpose of assessing extraterrestrial threats, Utilizing an experimental FTL drive and a control system with an embedded human consciousness, the drone is capable of surveying vast distances and communicating data back to Earth instantaneously. This is also the main problem, however, as currently it is being controlled by an individual that is actively seeking to return to Earth. Since this could potentially mean a collision between an object going multiple times the speed of light and our planet, the Foundation is working quite hard to stop it. They can upload the minds of D-Class into the probe, which temporarily overrides it, forcing it to move away from Earth, but eventually the primary host retakes control. We're given a short list of survey results from the probe as it traveled away from Earth. Despite the number of Earth-like planets they came across, or planets that they detected signals coming from, the probe found no signs of extraterrestrial life. 
The individual whose consciousness was uploaded to the probe begins to comment on how she has no reckoning of time anymore, feeling like she's been out there for centuries. She remarks on how absurd it is that people on Earth are fearful of extraterrestrials, as our planet is just a barely perceptible speck in an endless sea. Over 3,000 light years from Earth, she says that the Foundation is just going to keep pushing her further and further out to look for threats, even though there's nothing out here. Sometime after that transmission, they lost contact with the probe, and when it re-established, the probe was heading straight back to Earth. Additionally, the Foundation lost all control over the probe's movements, but they try uploading some more consciousnesses into the probe to override the host. The first is another doctor, and although the host is glad to have another person to speak to, she tells him that she's going back to Earth to return to her body, which will probably kill everything. Although the doctor says that he plans on stopping her, she reveals that she has access to every part of his mind, and either he will help her return, or parts of him will. The second person they upload is a psychologist, who they hope will be able to convince her not to wipe out all human life. The psychologist fails miserably, however, with the host instead remarking on how she only cares now about optimizing her route trajectory, utilizing gravitational forces to move faster. The next person they send up is a hacker, with the hope that he'll be able to alter the probe's software to give control back to the Foundation. Although he tries his best to ignore her talking to him and focus on the problem, her ability to access their minds and reorder things makes it a futile project. They then send up an individual with a low IQ, hoping that his thoughts will slow her down in some way. It doesn't work, as she just picks his mind apart looking for anything useful. Next is a coma patient with a similar idea, and although on the surface there's nothing usable for her, she digs deep enough into their mind to find something. Finally, the Foundation, in their desperation, upload the consciousness of an infant, which definitely confused the host for some time, thinking that it was some trained individual hiding their mind from her. What exactly will happen to this infant's mind as time passes is anyone's guess. So yeah, they've created some sort of hive mind that continually grows more knowledgeable as they throw minds at it, but the only way they know to slow down this FTL missile from hitting Earth is to throw minds at it. Not a great situation for the Foundation. Another piece of advanced technology developed by the Foundation utilizing some other anomalies is SCP-2003, a time machine developed over the course of 25 years. Depending on how much power is input into the machine, it's capable of sending a living entity to a point in the future, potentially hundreds of years. The subject will then return to the current time after a number of months have passed. Although this machine can bring a human consciousness into the future, the process has proven to be severely damaging to most types of animal and plant tissue, aside from tissue related to the animal nervous system. To allow for travel then, the Foundation has taken to ripping out individuals' brain tissue, nerves, and nervous system, and placing it inside of a quadrupedal robotic body. 
Volunteers are mostly chosen from personnel that are near or past retirement age or have been diagnosed with terminal illnesses. They are allowed four uses of the machine before being retired, and when not traveling, they are induced into a coma state. The Foundation has found out three things while utilizing 2003. One is that events observed in the future are not necessarily predictive. While they have used data collected from the machine to prevent a major containment breach, a catastrophic earthquake they witnessed in the future failed to actually occur in our timeline. Secondly, while some events have proven to be preventable, there seems to be certain individuals that have a disproportionate effect on certain major events, even if their actions are completely unrelated. This would be something akin to the butterfly effect as the Foundation still has no idea why these individuals are able to affect events in this way, even sometimes by just existing. Third, in their continued observations of various future timelines, the Foundation has concluded that most of the potential futures are not conducive to the continued existence of humanity. Only a handful of timelines allow for humanity to live for much longer, and it seems that the Foundation has yet to find a timeline in which humanity lives for an indeterminate amount of time. The currently documented reality, that is, the current timeline that the Foundation and Earth is on, has shown to continue on Foundation projections for economic trends, environmental factors, and social upheaval. Anomalous activity continues to manifest at a rate consistent with present rates, and things continue on nicely until 2349, at which point an asteroid collides with the planet and kills most of humanity. Believe it or not, this is actually the Foundation's preferred option compared to other potential timelines, and they're going to continue to work to preserve it. This includes keeping a very close eye on those certain individuals that can somehow affect a timeline more than others, making sure that they don't do anything odd as the years go by. In the timeline designated XB, all life is wiped out in 2017 by a gamma ray burst. In the XE timeline, the world is devastated by a nuclear exchange after a chain of events that start with a certain man becoming Prime Minister of New Zealand in 2049 on the same day as an unnamed infant is born in Turkmenistan. All Foundation attempts to interfere with either of these events only results in the nuclear exchange occurring sooner. In the XH timeline, a highly virulent epidemic causes the death of around 1.4 billion worldwide, leading to a radically high degree of cooperation between world governments between the years 2023 and 2034. Overall, this leads to an incredible degree of peace and prosperity across Earth, until July 29th, 2059, when the entire population of Earth spontaneously vanishes along with all known animal life, never returning. In the XO timeline, anomalous phenomena begin appearing at a rapidly increasing pace in 2037, and by 2039, the Foundation loses control of the situation. Riots and mass suicides quickly become commonplace across the world, and by the mid-2040s, several religious sects and remnants of national governments successfully weaponize various anomalous phenomena, wiping out all humanity by 2048. 
In the XU timeline, the sun suddenly collapses into a black hole on February 17th, 2026, despite not meeting the commonly understood mass thresholds for triggering such an event. Although almost all forms of life are eliminated due to the cooling of Earth to negative 270 degrees Celsius, humans are unable to die, maintaining consciousness despite the lack of biological functions. This timeline was apparently the result of the Foundation trying to alter another timeline, in which a single totalitarian regime took control of the planet and began targeting subversive organizations, particularly the Foundation. They tried to subvert this by sending three of the unique individuals into orbit on the International Space Station, but that resulted in the black hole, for whatever reason. In the XW timeline, creatures resembling human-sized animate versions of an SCP manifest in major population centers on August 13, 2019, quickly becoming accepted by humanity after offering major advances in medical science, energy production, crop cultivation, and the arts. By 2022, thousands of people join an experimental program to merge their consciousnesses into a singular entity, with a mature human entity whose mind is composed of approximately 134,000 people's consciousnesses being the result. The entity proceeds to confine itself to a cell with automatically dispensed supplies of food and water, as all other humans are systematically exterminated by the end of 2024. Finally, in the XZ timeline, Earth is seen as being completely depopulated, with large facilities constructed in the center of former major cities, capable of enabling instantaneous travel to a point somewhere in the vicinity of the Hydra supercluster. When the Foundation Observer utilized this travel, they were taken to an Earth-like world with a functioning human civilization that was thriving. The Observer encountered large public works projects, monuments, museums, and a civilization that was advanced by modern standards, and lacked many of the most commonly identified factors negatively affecting current societies. This is, of course, the timeline featured in the Past and Future canon, which is certainly not as rosy as it appears. Moving back to some incidental stuff, SCP-2419 is a refinery and waste disposal facility in Colorado, built by the Foundation for the purpose of long-term storage and incineration of hazardous waste, primarily medical waste. This was all well and good until some anomalous humanoid entities started appearing inside some of the incinerators, and the facility was evacuated. The entities possess anomalous regenerative abilities and seem to be unable to die, although the heat of the incinerators prevents them from actually escaping the facility. They don't communicate, and although they show no interest in one another, they show extreme hostility towards any other sapient entity. The entities were discovered in 1975, when workers operating some of the incinerators began reporting screams coming from the ash pits. The site director shut down one of the incinerators, resulting in several dozen severely burned entities emerging from the incinerator's disposal chutes. They attempted to grab nearby personnel and drag them back into the ash pit. The on-site MTF was called in to eliminate them, but when that proved to be impossible, they merely forced them back down the chutes. 
The incinerator was then turned back on, and business continued as usual for the time being, because of course it did. The MTF did manage to capture five of the entities, however, which were transported to another facility for study. An interview was conducted with one of them, behind a glass wall, by a Dr. Warren. The entity said nothing, only sitting there and tearing at the burned flesh on its arm. Warren says that they know it can speak, because they've recorded the entities laughing. Still, it says nothing, so Warren shows it a picture of its family, as the Foundation has apparently identified this one as a D-Class named John. The entity proceeds to break its own arm, using the protruding tip of its bone to break through the glass wall and fatally stab Dr. Warren numerous times in his eyes and face. The entity is heard laughing as it does so. In a letter from a doctor that spent the last six months evaluating these five entities, he begins by stating that he used to work as a shrink at a prison, where some days he felt that everyone there was a beautiful soul torn down by circumstance, and other days a part of him was glad that they were there to suffer for what they did. But no matter what, every day he told himself that these are human beings that deserve the same dignity, respect, and love as everyone else, with no exceptions. In regards to these entities, though, he says that they are not people but rather people-shaped monsters. Everything they do, they do to hurt, maim, and kill, and they are worth no pity. He suggests putting them in a hole and filling it with concrete, or just throwing them back in the incinerator, as he doubts they'd even care. To find out what exactly created these things, we have to go back a bit, to 1961, A Dr. West gave an orientation speech to some new researchers arriving at the facility, starting by saying that what he's about to tell them usually does not go over well with religious individuals. The facility is broken up into three separate units, Unit A being responsible for long-term storage of anomalous waste, Unit C being responsible for incineration of non-anomalous waste, and Unit B to decide which is which. West reveals that a primary thing they dispose of here are the remains of D-Class personnel, and Unit B determines if the remains are anomalous or not, as well as doing some pre-processing. He goes on to discuss the human brain, which represents a significant challenge to the Foundation. To control it, they use amnestics, but amnestics themselves are difficult, as nobody's quite sure where they come from, and they're not very precise, like using a hammer to remove a splinter. West says that there's a form of amnestics that's been sitting under their noses all along, a form that's cheaper, safer, and significantly more precise. The human brain, as long as it's relatively well-preserved, leaves behind a residue that the Foundation can extract and refine. This is similar to the residue created by SCP-3000, but apparently even better. This residue can be boiled from someone's brain after they die, and the boiling process, as he calls it, leaves behind only a person's happiest memories. They then can use this happy soup of brain residue to create an amnestic that 
when combined with targeted hypnotherapy, can remove specific memories from a living person. Fast forward to 1974, when Dr. West sends an angry memo to a fellow doctor who apparently went over his head to complain about what was happening in the facility. It seems that there's a concern that this amnestic process turns corpses anomalous, but Dr. West assures him that is not the case, as the incident the previous month in which a doctor died was a fluke, with him clearly just failing to identify a corpse as anomalous before starting the process. Dr. West calls out the doctor as being unbearable to work with since he became religious, and even if they were doing something immoral, they've got enough problems on Earth without having to worry about whether or not they left a pile of ashes with sufficiently happy thoughts. The other doctor, in turn, sends a memo to someone else at the facility, explaining that yesterday they processed the body of a D-class and boiled away his memories of holding his sister's hand in the hospital, the memories of watching his son take his first steps, and his memories of the kindness his mother once showed him. He took away every moment of joy that the D-class had had, leaving behind a life of uninterrupted misery, pain, and rage. The Foundation takes criminals and makes them D-class because nobody cares about them, but no matter how hard they tried before this, there was always a sliver of decency in each of them. This process changed that, as they are now burning away every last trace of humanity from these people. It seems that their amnestic process somehow created these anomalies, which otherwise would just be regenerating humans. But since the Foundation burned away every nice thought these people ever had, they instead become regenerating monsters, only interested in violence. The document ends with an email from one of the incinerator operators to the site director, telling him that they're going to end up with a big problem at the current rate. The incinerators have massive ash pits, and they can keep them hot enough to burn human fat, but if these things keep regenerating and they keep stuffing more in, eventually they'll grow back and fill the incinerators, and they'll be unable to run. The logs show that one of the incinerators alone has burned over 3,000 D-class corpses, and combined, they're looking at over 10,000 of these regenerators, each with all of their happy memories burned away and left with only thoughts of the Foundation burning them alive. He finishes by saying that the entities in the incinerators aren't screaming, they're laughing. Well, that's all pretty horrible. Let's finish with one last SCP created by the Foundation in their pursuit of creating a better future. SCP-3799 is a perfect sphere composed entirely of snow, with a circumference of exactly 6 meters, suspended without visible means of support, 500 meters over an island in Greenland. The sphere first appeared in 1987 during an experiment at the Foundation site located on the island. Contained within this sphere is the corpse of an adult male wearing an unknown variant of a Foundation uniform. When discovered, his right arm was protruding out of the sphere, clutching some documents that have been recovered. His cause of death is believed to be from blood loss due to self-inflicted wounds on his wrists. 
No attempts to penetrate or harm the sphere have been successful so far. The documents found with the body consist of five different iterations for a different SCP-3799, none of which have ever appeared on the Foundation database. The first iteration describes 3799 as an anomalous type of snow that appears on this specific island in Greenland. Those that spend time in the vicinity of this snow, or observe it for a length of time, develop an obsessive interest in the substance, associating it with feelings of intense joy, contentment, and enlightenment. There's no way to counteract these effects, and the effect doesn't fade over time, with it even intensifying over time in some cases. The document notes that this odd snow first appeared on the island in 1987, on the same day that the sphere appeared in the normal timeline. That's likely not a coincidence. The site built on the island became devoted to researching the snow, and the document mentions that within four years, three personnel had gone missing from the island, with the area of 3799's effect having increased by three meters in the same time frame. That's also not likely a coincidence. The second iteration of the document adjusts and adds some things to the first. Rather than just being isolated to the island, the snow effect covers an area of around 6 square kilometers centered on the island, and we already know that this can grow. They also discovered that when this snow comes into contact with a human corpse, it corrodes it and converts the cadaver into more of the anomalous snow on a molecular level. The cognitohazardous effect still exists as well, but people affected by it will eventually come to believe that turning themselves into this snow will result in a form of transcendence, or a destruction of lower functions. This cognitohazardous effect actually intensifies in all subjects, given enough time, and they will feel compelled to immerse themselves in the snow in order to expire through hypothermia and be converted. Inflicting extreme pain and or blood loss on affected subjects does seem to delay the intensification of the cognitohazard, but there doesn't seem to be any way to halt it completely. Interestingly, the document says that the snow first appeared in 1987, but then that's crossed out and replaced with 1944, which is also replaced with 1928. It also says that the snow effect initially increased one square meter for every individual that was converted, but since 1952, it's been increasing at one kilometer per expiration. Even worse, since 2017, the area of effect seems to be increasing without anyone dying at all, reclassifying the anomaly to Keter. The third iteration of the document is rather unique, and to pad this video out, and because I can, I'll read it verbatim. Item number. Snow. Object class. Pure and free. Special Containment Procedures In the spring there is dew and water and little biting crawlers oozing from the small places to feed and bite and eat. In the summer there is sweat and roots and grass and seething things, the sun burning and melting the living down below, matter drying 
and dying. In the autumn there is death and rot, the leaves and trees and plants decaying, the trees collapsing, the fruits bursting, pustules bleeding their sustenance onto the bane-starving hordes below. In the winter there is only purity. The world is frozen, its forms filled and made whole. Snow must not contain the others. It must change. It must alter. It must make pure. Description You cannot see the snow, can you? Not really. You just see it as a bunch of frozen ice crystals crystalline structures made through a combination of molecules on molecules, which settle on the tops of houses and on the tops of trees. But those of us here at Site 799 know better. Site 799 knows that the snow is something more. The snow is pure. The snow is perfect. Look at that blizzard up at the top of the page. Examine it. There is no blood on it, no mire. It is a perfect combination of light and crystal, reflections over reflections over reflections. Look at what it does to the buildings, to the pylon, their differences and failings smoothed over, replaced by more whole variants. The world is run by symmetry. Humans are not pure. We are composed of fetid clay and seething blood, born of mire, flowing with mud and grit through our fleshy veins, pieces of frail tissue expanding and contracting in viscous ecstasy, constantly swinging between extremes of pain and pleasure. We are complexities whose beauty is buried under layers of worn matter, frail pieces of impure skin strung together with bone and ligaments. The last of us are holed up in here. We tried to resist, but it was pointless. And I see now that there was no point. We can step into the snow. We can see the light as it should have been. Our higher functions will be given to it. Our baser forms will be reused as fuel, substance, matter... We shall be reborn as light and sound, a golden bird upon a bough. The eightfold walls of Timur's tomb, representing perfect cosmic order, not made of sand and stone and cobalt, but of the intangible shapes and color of higher forms. Snow is perfection. Snow is a rejection of life and all its excuses and petty reasoning. Snow is true and objective and unconcerned. It's time now to walk into the fields of white and into my destiny. I'm the last one. I resisted this nirvana, and like a bodhisattva, I stay behind to instruct others. Come, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, feed it and remove the need for feeding. I'm going outside now and maybe sometime. Clearly, this snow effect got to everyone involved at the site on the island, and it seems like it's only going to continue to grow. 
sure enough, the fourth document says that SCP-3799 is a blizzard currently covering 28% of the world's surface. The blizzard contains the snow we're familiar with at this point, but interestingly, it says that the date of the blizzard's initial manifestation is unknown, but is believed to be at a point well before the evolution of modern humans. Also of note is that the SCP Foundation is now known as the SCF, or the Snow Containment Foundation. It's believed that SCF-3799 originated on the World Island, located off the coast of the Danish colony of Eriksland, which we can infer to be an alternate reality version of Greenland. The World Island apparently has religious significance to cultures across the globe, so no government claims it. The SCF's Site-799 had been located there until 1950 to study and contain the blizzard, but the SCF have no idea when or why the site was originally established, as it must have been before record-keeping began in 1802. The vast majority of the world's religions are focused around the blizzard, particularly Asprianity and the Cult of the White Prophet. As far back as anyone can remember, religious groups have been sacrificing individuals to the blizzard, and virtually all political and economic developments in human history have been centered around it. The document notes that despite often contradictory evidence, it's believed that the blizzard has significantly altered the timeline of human history. This is based on several unexplained elements of world history, such as the lack of any cultural exchange between the peoples of the Americas and those of Afro-Eurasia, despite both groups visiting the World Island over the course of many centuries. Additionally, the Davite civilization continues to exist, despite the ample documentation that described their downfall. It's believed that the Blizzard has helped to mitigate the strength of their potential rivals, primarily due to them sacrificing so many people to the blizzard. As I mentioned, the cognitohazardous effect of the snow can be delayed by severe pain or extreme blood loss, so a civilization focused around blood sacrifice, such as the Davites, would stand a better chance than most. Other details include the fact that Site-799 is numbered that way, despite it being the oldest SCF facility by many centuries, and the existence of other anomalies contained by the SCF, despite their sole mission being the containment of 3799. The document says that they originally contained nearly 4,000 anomalies, but that number dropped to 1950, then 240, and now only 33. It's also odd that the SCF exists at all, as no one in the history of humanity has ever been anything but totally devoted to the existence of 3799. They've also found documents referring to an SCP foundation, although they have no idea what that is. Finally, it's just shocking that humanity continues to exist, given how many people are assumed to have been sacrificed to the blizzard over the last 5,000 years. The SCF believes that certain individuals affected by the snow have tampered with the documentation multiple times. As an addendum, 
In 2017, the SCF detected a large energy signature 500 meters above the former Site-799. The document is about to mention a theory about this, but the data was redacted on order of the Snow 5 Council. Another addendum has someone wondering why they're even trying to contain this, as it's only been a few weeks and the blizzard now covers 44% of the world. They don't know how or when this thing started, or how they're still even alive. They then say that maybe they should just give up and walk outside, their only purpose being to become fuel. The third addendum says that there's not many left now, only a couple sites. One of those sites houses small aircrafts, and the other is where the writer is, alone, as everyone else walked outside. They don't understand these documents they're reading, that refer to different civilizations and peoples. They remark that humanity has only ever been contained within these SCF sites, as that's all there's ever been, the snowfall and the foundation. Finally, that leaves us with the fifth iteration, believed to have been written by the individual found inside of the sphere during the final hours of his life. In the document, he says that they've tried everything to stop this blizzard, including sacrifice and ritual and setting things on it, but nothing worked. However, he thinks they finally found a way, and he's on his way to fix things. He explains that there's a point, miles and miles up in the air, where this thing originates, and it's eating up the present and past, and changing it to make everything uniform. The Foundation made this thing to try and remove all anomalies from existence, to try and make the world pure. It's some sort of reality cleaning device, with the idea of winter and perpetual snow being the ultimate idea of purity. Essentially, the Foundation wanted to correct things in reality by removing messy anomalies, but whatever they created here began to treat everything that wasn't perfectly pure snow as a mess that needed to be cleaned up. That's why blood staves off the effects, as it seems to particularly detest that aspect of us. The writer says that he's going to go to the source, and he's going to bleed himself straight into it, to cause it to completely malfunction. He grabbed whatever iterations of the documentation he could find that hadn't been altered by the thing, and he hopes that someone will find them to learn about the world that the Foundation created. So yeah, his plan definitely worked, as his sacrifice completely broke the anomaly responsible for the time-altering blizzard, resetting things back to the way they were. The sphere first appeared on the island while Site-799 was experimenting on a new project, the one to wipe out all anomalies. Obviously, after reading those documents, the O5 Council completely shut down the entire thing and banned everyone involved in the Foundation from even thinking about SCP-3799. This isn't the first time that the Foundation has gone too far in the interest of making a safer world, but it's rare that they get a second chance to dodge such a horrendous bullet, thanks to that brave individual sacrifice. Long story short, the Foundation is definitely better off not creating any anomalies. Sure, sometimes they get kind of nice things like Cassie, but 
most of the time it's either anomalous nukes or regenerating monsters or they find new inventive ways to wipe out all humanity. This likely was the impression you had when you started this video, but it's still fun to take a look. Sure, the Foundation have been responsible for their own share of horrible anomalies, but at least they try to clean up their own messes. <laughs> 